Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. How's that? Okay, that's good. Is that good? All right, come on down here. We're going to have a word of prayer together. And... You know, um, I found an old bulletin. Let me get this back on. There we go. Okay. Back in 1969. That's way, way long time ago. And uh, I was my first year of high school. And our bulletin for Mother's Day said this. The young people of our church have planned an evening to honor our mothers. There will be a ministry through music. Mother of the Year. Plus her court and a short challenge by Pastor Peterson. Don't be caught away from church tonight. You may be mother of the year. Plus missing a real blessing. Yes, we had mother of the year. And we had a seat up there. It's kind of like, you ever seen uh, Miss America or Miss Universe? Something like that. You know, it's kind of like that. We had a, this kind of a throne set up up there. And we had people that were kind of the runners up. And then we crowned the mother of the year. How do you like that? Who's mother of the year this year? You're supposed to say, my mother, right? Let's try that again. Who's mother of the year this year? All right. But you know what? The first year we did that, uh, Pastor Kevin talked about the stories this building could tell. The very first year we did that, the mother of the year in 1969 was Ostrid Hansen. Your great-grandmother, your great-grandmother, your great-grandmother, your great-grandmother, your great-grandmother, your great-grandmother. <laughs> the next year, it was in 1970, Eleanor Nelson. Your great-great-grandmother, and Naomi, your great-great-grandmother. How do you like that? How many generations we go back here that uh, your families and different families and our traditions go on? This is a great day. The Bible says, the Bible tells us in the Old and New Testament, honor your mother and your father. This is the first commandment with a promise for long life. So this is a good day to honor, to celebrate your mothers, to be thankful and to rejoice and to lift up God's name as you worship and sing. God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, ask these young people now to continue to worship and sing and share together, we thank you for the tradition. Some of these represent decades, um, generations. Some are first generation here. They are all part of our story. Uh, this is our story of faith. We are a faith family, a faith community. And Father, I am just, I'm, I am so thankful today that these children are part of our story and that their mothers are part of our story. And so we lift them up to you, ask your blessing upon them. In Christ's name, all God's people can say, Amen. All right, you guys, have a good day. God bless you as you continue to worship and serve together. Um, Faith mentioned uh, people, Fred Myers and flowers for Mother's Day. Um, That actually kind of brings back some painful memories for me. That's not supposed to be funny. (laughs) But uh, on this, this plaque on Mother's Day, uh, the year after, 1971, was Eugene McDonald. 
Mother of the Year. 1972 was Shar Ely, uh, who was the wife of our youth pastor at the time. And this plaque is here somewhere in the building. I'm not sure. I, and this, uh, but this half is empty because we decided to not do Mother of the Year anymore, and we decided to do it do it different. And rather than have a Mother of the Year and sort of runner-ups and so on, we decided we would have several categories for mothers. And with the most grandchildren, the most children, um, the oldest, the youngest, you know, it was a big deal. So, so we did that instead. And we, and we brought a dozen beautiful roses and we'd give each one a rose. 1974, the year Teresa and I were married, our uh, youth pastor, Dick Ely, uh, took a new job up at the first. And I was interning that year at the church. So the church asked me, would you work full time as youth pastor? So from March to August, I was the full-time youth pastor at the church here. And I was in charge of all the youth program. So I was in charge of Mother of the Year um, program. It was my first program I was in charge of in the ministry. So I went up, got it all organized, went up and bought the 12 beautiful red roses on Thursday, I think, or something up at the florist up here by Fred Myers, where you were talking about going, people coming home with the flowers. And I said, I, you know, I need these have to last till Sunday night. I have to get them today. No problem, just put them in the refrigerator. What they didn't tell me was to put them in water in the refrigerator. <laughs> so five minutes before the service, I had someone go to the refrigerator, or maybe I, I can't even get the flowers, and every single flower was like this and wilted. And so one at a time, youngest mother of the year, here's your reward. <laughs> Oldest mother of the year. Here's your reward. By the time we got to the twelfth one, everybody was just—it was just a mess. It was—it was a disaster, and uh, that was—that's why it brings back painful memories, Faith. So, so next year, let's not talk about roses on Mother's Day. Mother's Day, and then my friend Keith Kemper, some years ago, when I was first started pastoring. How come on Mother's Day every year you we talk about how wonderful the mothers are and how wonderful and sweet and grace, and then Father's Day all we do is rail on the fathers for not doing their jobs. So, <laughs> so, so I've tried to be equitable, Keith, over the years, and I've tried I try to do both now. Um, I, I don't rail on the mothers, but I try to be good to the fathers as well. <laughs> We're studying the book of Philippians together. Who was the Apostle Paul's mother? Who is Paul's mother? It's interesting for the apostles like Peter, Paul, especially John. Um, we don't have much information about their families. James, the brother of the Lord, we do. But we don't have much information about their families. A little snippet here and there about a relative and so forth. It would be interesting to know who Paul's mother was. And if she were still alive, what did she think about what he was doing, both before conversion and after? Uh, who was his father? Was he married? We're not given this information, but, but it's, interest, it's interesting. The one little tidbit, I guess you could say, is all you can say, is in Romans chapter 16, when Paul is sending, and if you look in your Bible, Romans 16, you'll notice from verse 3, well, actually from verse 1. The whole chapter up until verse 24, the entire chapter 
is like all these people that he's that are in Rome. Paul is not in Rome. Paul, we don't know if Paul has ever been to Rome, at least in his ministry yet. He writes this epistle to the Roman church, and he sends all these greetings to all these people in Rome, even members of, of uh, Caesar's household and so on in Rome we know. And then people with Paul, like Timothy in verse 21, sends you his greetings. And so there's this whole chapter of greetings back and forth. Remember we talked about the nature of these letters. We talked about Philippians having a lot of nature of a friendship letter from the first century about it, the way it's written. It's a very special, warm letter. And in verse uh, 13, he says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. And his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Now, we're not going to go into the, There's speculation by some that the only other Rufus particularly mentioned in the New Testament is uh, Simon and Cyrene who carried the cross of Christ and his, his, his mentions he's the father of Rufus. Uh, some make the connection there. Uh, we don't know. It was a fairly common name, so we'll have, to, we'll have to let that go and you can think about that. But at least we know this. This is very interesting to me. That the Apostle Paul says, this lady, your mother, Rufus, she has been a mother to me. Now, if she's in Rome... And we don't know that Paul has ministered in Rome yet. What this connection? Was she in Palestine at one time? Was she in Asia Minor? What was the connection? We don't we don't really know. But I, I just wanted to point out to you that as we're just going to take a little part of Philippians this morning, as we preach this little section of Philippians, I want us to think in terms of of mothers today. I, I'm not giving. I'm not going to preach in Proverbs, you know, 31 and so forth. <laughs> And, and that and Mother's Day message. But there's a reason why in the Bible, in the New Testament, there is this concept that we are family. We are a family. This, this is something new for these people. These believers, Jews and Gentiles and pagans and all this background that, that come together and, and as soon as they become part of the local household of faith, they become part of a family. And that's why the words are used like brothers and sisters. And I think in this case, she is a mother to me. I don't think Paul is trying to indicate that Rufus is his brother and that she is actually his real mother. But there is something about this lady that Paul says, this lady was special to me. Might we say she is one of his spiritual mothers? Paul had a spiritual son, Timothy, right? It wasn't his real son, but it's his son son in the faith. And we have this concept in the Bible, in the New Testament, that when we become part of the household of God, and and it is a household, we become part of a family. We really are. And when we celebrate like Mother's Day and Father's Day in, in a church setting like this, not everybody here is a mother. Not every woman here is a mother. We've all had mothers. I know that. Okay, But we are a family. And every woman in this church has the opportunity to be a spiritual guide, mother to a church family, a grandmother, a great-grandmother. And I look back at my story, because I grew up in this church, and uh, these people I mentioned, that you know, Eugene and Eleanor and Austin, because Austin's my mother-in-law, 
And uh, sorry, Lee, our youth pastor's wife. And I go way back with these families. I, I know that. And I, I look back and, and, and think about, along with my mother and all these other women and my wife and my daughters who are mothers and all of you here, and, and realize how important it is that we have spiritual family members, especially mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers, as part of our story and part of our life. In Philippians chapter 2, which is our passage for this morning, Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 12, where Paul says this to them, and I want us to think about mothers and women who have impacted and continue to impact our, our life as family members, as the household of faith, the community of faith. Therefore, my dear friends, verse 12, as you have always obeyed, and in sort of a parenthesis, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Paul is writing to this church at Philippi. He's not there. He's under house arrest in Rome. He's writing to this church. I'm absent from you, and, I'm, and I want you to know that I've heard about your obedience, even in my absence, to the Word of God. But he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. And this, this, this passage of Scripture, as you can imagine, has, has led to no end of discussions and theology and... Um, suggestions as to what it means. He says this, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Well, that's a real mouthful, isn't it? I mean, just stop and ponder this for a minute. Stop and think about what the Apostle Paul has just said to these Philippian believers. He said, I want, you to, I want you to obey God's word. I want you to do what we've been talking about. And these are imperatives here. These are verbs that are imperatives. They're saying, do, do this. This is what you need to do. This is what I need to do. And he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Work out your salvation. And I, I want to suggest to you, as you look at this, that, as I've mentioned several times, right away we think in terms of individual, me. He's talking, he's talking to, you know, this person and that person, and he's talking to you and he's talking to me, and yes, he is. But these are plurals too. These are your church, church of Philippi, as a community of faith. It's not just individuals, but as a community of faith, I want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does it mean to work out your salvation? What it does not say very clearly, which we know from the rest of Paul's writings, he does not say work for your salvation, right? It's pretty clear. He does not, we do not believe in a works-based salvation. One of the unique things about Christianity, evangelical Christianity, is that we do not teach a works-based salvation. You can stop almost anybody at random and ask them, do you think you're going to heaven? The most common response you're going to get is what? I hope so. You, very few people you're going to run into and say, I'm an atheist, I do not. There's more and more, I understand that. But the most common response is, I hope so. And generally they'll say, I've never killed anybody. I've never done this. I've never done that. I try to be good. I try to, 
And that's all great. I want my neighbors and I want my family and I want me. I want us to be good people, right? We want people that we, we pass laws to help enforce good behavior. We want that. But the Bible does not teach a works-based salvation uh, in the Old or New Testament, by the way. It is a salvation that, first of all, starts with the grace of God. The grace and mercy. God told Israel, I, I did not choose you because you were so numerous. And you could say you're so great or so I chose you because I chose to set my love upon you. I made that choice for my plan of salvation. This does not say to work for your salvation, but it says to work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. It, it might be the idea of, of working out like in a, in a sporting event or something else where you are, you, are, you are taking the things you've got and you are putting them to use. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I, I just want to stop today and say, as, as, a, as a Christian individual, I am so thankful to have been part and to be a part of a faith community. And I, and I use that term because I think it's appropriate. A faith community where other adults, and today especially when I think of the women and the ladies who have impacted my life, who have, who have lived this working out their salvation in very real terms. That was interesting in this bulletin that uh, the Mother of the Year came from in 1969. It, it, it says this for the evening service, introduction to that service. Is there's a story about four clergymen who were discussing the merits of the various translations of the Bible. This is 1969, okay? One liked the King James Version best because of its simple, beautiful English. Another liked the American Revised Version because it is more literal and comes near the original Hebrew and Greek. Another liked Moffat's translation best because of its up-to-date vocabulary. We might say Peterson or something today, right? Okay. The fourth minister was silent. And when he was asked to express his opinion, he replied, I like my mother's translation best. She translated it into life. And it was the most convincing translation I ever saw. The apostle tells us, we are epistles. We are epistles read by men and women. They are reading God's Word through our lives. And friends, it is so important to be part of a faith community where there are people who are humbly, genuinely, sincerely working out their salvation with fear and trembling, with, with respect for God and for God's Word. Not a afraid of God. We, we could have another message on that. But, 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 but a, a genuine respect for God and for His Word and for what He's done and what He wants and what, what His plan is and what we can bring to this world as Christian people. What we can bring, we've talked about the fact that we saw earlier that we are a colony of heaven here on earth as the Philippians were a Roman colony to, to spread God's way and to spread this culture and this Word. And on this Mother's Day, it is appropriate we give thanks and that women, we continue to commit ourselves to being that type of example and life that our children, and I, don't, and I know I'm not saying your children, but our children and grandchildren, our young people, as they read your life and they read the epistle and they can see 
It is possible to live a life pleasing to God. It's po- we're not looking. You know what? Our young people aren't aren't stupid. They're not looking for perfection. They're not looking for perfection. The parents, your kids aren't looking for perfection. You know, they know better than that. But it is reasonable that we can be an example of a genuine life of Christian love and maturity and compassion and service and dedication where they see Christ in our lives. The second part of this verse is so fascinating, isn't it? That I mean, to think that this is what God instructed Paul to write. Philippians, work out your, in your faith community, not just individual, but in your community as a church, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God, now notice this, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good pleasure or purpose. Boy, isn't that amazing? Put your, when we say today, wrap your mind around this. Put this, let's, let's process this for a minute. We're not looking for perfection. But is it, is it possible to live a life pleasing to God? Is it possible to be a, a, a genuine example to our children and young people, to each other? Mothers, women, wives, ladies here today on Mother's Day, is it possible to live this type of life that will really make a difference? That someday someone will remember and they've read your life and it impacts their life, which impacts another life, which impacts another life, and and it goes on and on and on. Why? Because it is God who has chosen. God has chosen by His own will and His own purpose, whatever His purposes are, it's in His hands, to work through. I mean, think about this. God has chosen to work through you, to give you not only the desire, when you you have desires to live life pleasing to God, to make choices that are according to God's will. When Paul says, listen, obey, not only in my absence, but in my presence, but now in my absence. When you or I make choices to do those things, it is actually God who is willing us and enabling us to do that. Think about that. Think about what God has called us to, what God has chosen to do, that God has chosen to use you to work out His will and His activity and to be a colony of heaven here on earth. What a privilege. What a privilege. What an amazing thing that God chooses to do this. So it's not complicated. It's it's not complicated to work out your salvation with respect and awe for God. Why? Because God has given you both the desire and the ability to do His will. Wrap up with this. Paul says this, Do everything without complaining or arguing. I don't know that this church had a particular problem. We're going to see in, in the chapter about a couple of individuals. This is normal stuff in a family, right? This is a family. You live in close quarters in the family. You know, we, 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 we sometimes get on each other's nerves a little bit, right? Because we're in close quarters. It might be easy to be nice to the person at the store selling you roses, you know, because I don't live with them. They don't live with me. 
But we live in close quarters. We raise our kids together. We, we celebrate together. We worship. We suffer. We, we, we hold each we, We're in close quarters. So Paul says, listen, when you're in close quarters, as a church family, he says, do everything that God has willed you to do. We just said he's willed you and he's enabled you. And when you do what God has willed and enabled, do it without complaining or arguing. Not that this church had any more problems than our church or that church or that church or that church. It's just human nature. And he says, don't, but listen, this is an Old Testament concept. Remember in the Old Testament, they came across from, from what was the thing that just dogged them from Egypt to the promised land? Complaining and murmuring against Moses. Even Moses' sister, Miriam, and, and his brother Aaron, complaining against him, murmuring. Why did you take us out to die in the world? Complaining, why is God doing this? Paul says, this is an Old Testament concept. Don't, don't be like that. Don't complain. Boy, you know, every so often... And when we, one of the things that comes up when we talk about someone and talk about our mothers who aren't here anymore, and every so often we'll, we'll talk about, you know, that person never complains. You know, that really happens. <laughs> right? There are people who, they just don't complain about things. You're not looking at one, I, <laughs> you know. But, but it's possible. It's funny, I know, but it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Look at it. Be pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in what? Which you shine like lights in the world. You shine like lights in the world. It's possible. To be that kind of a child. To have that type of family resemblance to God. That you shine as lights in the world. We have a wonderful opportunity. As we serve and worship God. To live that type of life. God has enabled us. God will will us. And friends, it's so important to be part of a church family. It's so important. It's so important to be part of a church family where you have your children and young people a part of other people's lives that we can support, encourage, and be this kind of family of God. As you hold out the word of life, Paul says that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. God bless all the women of this church who impact lives, who change lives, who have had a part in our lives and will continue to do so. Let's lift up thanks to God for His goodness, mercy, and grace. And we're going to sing a great song to close our service and ask our worship team to come back up. And we're going to sing on Mother's Day, This is My Father's World. We'll see what you guys pick on Father's Day. For us to sing. <laughs> We didn't want the fathers to have it go to their heads. So. <laughs> Please stand with us one more time. Thank you. Before we dismiss, I'd like to ask Bethany Barnett to come up. If she come up for a moment. And uh, I want you to tell everybody, we're going to have a prayer with Bethany. Bethany's one of our young ladies who's been involved in our youth program, served in our ministries, and goes to Northwest College. And I'd like you to university to tell them what you have going on in the near future here and, and what she's going to be doing. So actually, tonight, Monday morning, I'm leaving on a missions trip with 
five other women from my college to Cambodia. Um, and we're going to be there for about 12 days from May 13th to about May 25th, 26th. And while we're there, we're going to be putting on some hygiene clinics for children. So we're going to be showing them how to like properly wash their hands, wash their hair, um, and brush their teeth. And then we'll also be going to English-speaking schools, showing them how to like speak English. And then the last three days, we're putting on a vacation Bible school for them. So most of you just be working with kids in different villages in Cambodia. Good. All right. So we want to have a word of prayer for Bethany. She's going to Cambodia and be working. Are you a nursing student over at Northwest? What's your... Yeah, okay, eventually it would be the nursing program. And, uh, of course, this is Vela Powell and Ray's granddaughter. And uh, so we want to pray for you and pray God's blessing on you and safety as you make this trip. And we'll look forward to hearing a good report from you, okay? All right. Heavenly Father, we just lift Bethany up to you and we pray for her ministry. We pray for her team as they go to the villages in Cambodia. We pray, Lord, you'll keep them healthy and strong as they have a chance to just teach, to serve, to be the hands and the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ to reach out in love to these people, and uh, they will see as they will be epistles written on the grace of God. And we pray, Lord, as they work in vacation at Bible school there. What an opportunity, Lord, to work with these children. We know the children will be thrilled to be there. And we pray as they interact and as they serve, Lord, that you will just use them in a mighty way. We pray that lives will come to Christ for salvation. Seeds will be planted. And Lord, uh, we just lift her up to you. We pray for safety and we pray for a good report as she comes home, Lord. And we ask that you'll help us remember to be faithful and pray for them over these next weeks that they travel. Bless us now. Again, we thank you on this Mother's Day for the spiritual heritage and those who have impacted our lives. And we pick up the challenge, Lord, as a family of God, that we will change lives, that we will impact lives by the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us. And we pray this in Christ our Savior's name. Amen. Thanks, Bethany. Lord bless you. Thank you.